recorded during the Plague Year 2020. This is the Andromeda Minute, a show where three times a week we go over uh, the all-too-timely Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And this is David Barnes with Enrich Financial Group. I'm a financial advisor there, and I'm interested in all things tech, um, the past, the present, and the future. David, thanks again for being here this week. It's uh, I know this isn't the most exciting week, but it's every minute of this has a different level of fascination, and there's all all kinds of stuff, all sciencey stuff going on. And I know, I know you you like the science stuff as much as I do. Um, I were you a uh, were you a regular uh, purchaser of the Edmund Scientific Corporation at the back of Boy's Life? I don't know. If uh, you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I recall. Yes, I do. Um, I do remember uh, all the apparatuses and the, uh, the documentaries when I was a young man, I just couldn't get enough of uh, all things tech. Uh, I even recall, and I'm really aging myself, uh, the, uh, the Intel chip, and when that was brought into the world, of course, I was much younger, but I do recall it very uh, intimately, and I, in my own little young mind, realized that this was going to be um, uh, a, a, a big birth in in, in a mushrooming of what was going to happen in the tech world. Didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but in my mind, uh, I saw it as the beginning of, of things uh, fantastic, actually. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing right here in this uh, 1971, this this is the, they, they didn't know, they didn't realize how close it was going to be. I mean, there, there were signs and inclinations and, and expectations, but uh, they they got so much right, they got so much right in this uh, in this story. Um, I was convinced everybody was going to have some kind of a home home laboratory. I don't know if you'd be having you know tons of you know <laughs> stacks of rats to test things on, but uh, it's just all that plexiglass, all those little widgets and uh, servos and and uh, rubber belts and things that were spinning things. It's just such a beautiful. Uh, I don't know what ha- what happened to that prop, but I would love to just own it and have it spinning <laughs> around, even if it was just pouring iced tea or something. It's just. What, yes. a, what a great little bit of uh, uh, artwork, almost. Uh, it's that, that big much. Ferris wheeling thing. Um, we're seeing him there. You know, he Dutton says that it could be a gas. Maybe the thing's emitting some kind of a toxic, toxic gas. But uh, he's also guessing it might be something, you know, biological. So he decides he's going to filter the air. And uh, the first thing he's going to try is to see if it's uh, 100 angstroms. Now, uh, an angstrom is uh, one hundredth of or one millionth of a centimeter so uh he's looking at something that is going to be uh roughly the size of a a very a medium to a small to medium sized virus is what he's looking for first where he uh, he runs the filter through it uh yeah it brings him brings meaning to the the term um uh the term that uh you know it's the little things that matter um yeah it brings oh, for meaning sure. to that does it not yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. He's he's looking at very scientifically, trying to figure out what what bug this is and how bi- how big is it going to be. A uh, hundred angstroms is extremely small. You you, you very need, tiny. Yes. You'd need like a uh, you'd need an electron microscope to see something like that. So, but fortunately, uh, we find out that it's it's, it's bigger than a than a hundred angstrom bread box. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the the mouse comes through it quite nicely. Gosh, I'm just looking. I'm scrubbing through this particular minute and seeing all those springs and and wires and, and rubber uh, o-rings and stuff it's just such a, a beautiful little rube goldberg uh business going on there um 
the more I watch this, the more I, I want to build one. I don't know what I do with it, but I just have it <laughs> ticking away. Yeah, um, something to put in the kitchen counter for sure. Maybe yeah, you can pour coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, or maybe certain um, amounts of uh, sweetener or sugar or whatever is your thing. Yeah, or have it, you know, measure, you know, count the number of Rice Krispies that go into the cereal <laughs> bowl or something. I, I don't know. I just, I, I just want it. I have. It's so geeky tech beautiful. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, the mouse makes it through, <laughs> makes it past step one with the hundred angstrom, and then uh, he moves it all the way up to uh, one micron. Now my, microns are. Uh, one millionth of a meter, so we're you know we're, we're, we've moved the, the digits over a couple of uh, a couple of numbers, so a millionth of a meter, and uh, we're getting uh, bigger. Yeah, we're, we're getting, getting bigger. we're getting bigger a, th a thousandth of a millimeter. Because so, everything that's coming through is escaping thus far into right. the other cage. Yes. Yeah. So so they're making a uh, a sieve with bigger holes, and uh, this one one micron. Just to give people an idea of what one micron is, um, one micron is about the size of a red blood cell or uh if if you think about the smallest thing the human eye can see which is usually about two a little bit under two microns uh the narrowest thing you can perceive generally by itself uh two microns would be the width of a spider web so if you're looking at a spider web that's about that's about two microns wide two to three microns um so that's kind of the upper limit of people's vision if with you know without using a magnifying glass or something like that that's generally... interestingly enough they take it to that place don't they yeah yeah so we uh, we we try the one micron and uh the mouse seems to be just breathe, breathing nicely with it but uh we get to that we get to that two micron sieve and uh sure enough uh poor little mickey here uh keels over and uh so we know you know, based on based on what we've seen, it's it's bigger than one micron, but smaller than two microns. So that's actually good news for Dutton because that means they can look at it under a microscope instead of having a peering. You know, trying to try try to look for it with an electron microscope. You can just use an optical an optical lens to find it. So they're they know that they're dealing with something that's roughly bacterium sized. Uh, so a fascinating. Fascinating deduction. I mean, this is like playing, you know, uh, Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with lead pipes. But uh, it's interesting the power, you know, the process of elimination. He's found out one that it's airborne transmission. That's how that's how the disease is transferred. And two that the uh, whatever the bug is, it's not a gas. It's some kind of uh, biological or chemical thing that's big enough to see. Yeah. Again, this is a great point. Um, in the movie too, where we're seeing uh, the scientific method being utilized to in discovery. Uh, I mean, right there in front of us for all to see. Uh, again, a great educational tool in my mind uh, on how to identify uh, uh, whether something, what is lethal at what level. And here they are measuring the size of whatever this is. So the one thing they did eliminate uh, by the process was it wasn't a gas it was so that i think is another fundamental thing they were able to discern from this type of of, of uh, analysis um, and you were able to wipe everything off the table that's related to gases of some sort that would cause problems right and right. now they're able to identify that hey it's not a gas it's something that um, it's it's some form, perhaps of life. Uh, I guess it could be inorganic, um, 
but there is some form of life uh, or something inorganic of some sort, some solid maybe, I don't know, but in the movie, uh, it shows this method uh, being utilized to, again, discern what it is that they're dealing with. Uh, fascinating, another fascinating aspect about the show. Yeah, there. even though, um, you know, by today's standards, it, it runs at an almost glacial pace, the, uh, I don't think you're bored by it. You want, you, you kind of, uh, I, I think the viewer leans into it when you're seeing, you know, they're going to try this and you keep going up to that mouse. Is the mouse breathing? Is he, is he coughing at all? Is he going to flip over? And it's, it's interesting how much uh, your expectations get set on the show, not by the music and action, but the, the need to process the information that's being handed to you there. It, it's, it's requiring a bit of knowledge, a bit of, um, deduction by yeah, the... deductions. That's the word. That's the that's the word. The logic, right? It's one or zero, negative or positive. And oh, okay, well, this is positive. Okay, because it's positive, we're going to go down this route. This is very fundamental to following logic. Um, eliminating those things that are that are for not, and those things that are, and you pursue those things that are in the in in, in scientific method, right? And um, I think we tend to lose sight of these things as, uh, as in just general life. Uh, but if we boil things down, um, you know, you can, I heard this somewhere, I don't remember where, but uh, engineering, um, the, the, the fundamental aspects of engineering um, and manufacturing really is, if you can take things to its ultimate first principle, the idea is to make things from the atom up. Um, and um, and again, following logic, following um, uh, a, a, a scientific method, whether it's identifying a challenge or a problem or creating a new tool or a new way to look at things, I think the scientific method and logic and dedu deduction, as you point out, is, is, is key. And I think this, this actual minute is doing that. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And, you know, as, as you and I are both uh, electric vehicle mavens and uh, oh, fanati yes. fanatics, uh, we, we've been watching recently uh, here in 2020 as uh, the first of uh, Elon Musk's battery days came by uh, discussing his first principles on how to make a better battery. And he, he actually went back to first principles of the chemicals involved in making the the storage unit for uh, for energy, how, you know, how can you make that simpler, better, uh, larger, and uh, make the process a little bit more streamlined than it is right now? And the idea that he's going with is removing the steps that add more steps. The uh, the part where you uh, where you have to make a wet cell, where you add water to lithium and and magnesium, and you're separating out the magnesium and the lithium, and then you're then you have to separate the lithium out of the water that you washed it away out of the out of the magnesium. You're just skipping that whole step and just crushing the lithium carbonate or lithium manganese, and using you know using the lithium that you can get out of it without having to to add water to it. Um, that's that's you're very true. You know I. I was thinking about something here, and one of the things I, I believe in, right, is technology, and, and as we move forward, is just stacking upon each other. But what is it about us missing, or it takes maybe an Elon or others, an Einstein, uh, in our history, 
to really examine original ideas, profound original first principle or first um, fundamental ideas. It's Is it something about who we are as people? Do we just get comfortable in the new technology and thus we throw away, we don't pay attention to the old ideas, the fundamental ideas? Um, it Does it take an Elon Musk to dig the original ore um, or an Einstein or, uh, you know, whoever the the science, scientific geniuses of the day to rediscover these things? Yeah, I, I, I think the, like, like, as you were saying, the, the, the related to that is the, econ I think what happens is we wind up with an economy of thought and there's, there's this um, aphorism that we, you know, we shouldn't reinvent the wheel. But maybe every once in a while, the wheel needs to be reinvented sometimes. We, we keep thinking, well, we've, we already know all this stuff, so we'll just keep going on the path that we've gone. It's like, but if you back all the way up, you wind up with things like rockets that land themselves or uh, the, the idea that you can, you can make a, a, a car that can drive 300 miles on electricity by itself without adding a gasoline engine to a car. All of these things go against what was, you know, 10 years ago, even even eight years ago, was conventional wisdom. So it's, it's very difficult to buck the trend of saying, let's go back to first principles on this or that. If, if you have a well-established uh, chain of research uh, and development, you can't just say, well, I, you say to yourself, I've, I've already... I've already thought too much to stoop to action about, you know, getting getting back to do, you know, finding out what's wrong yes, in the first yes. place. There's these logical steps and the scientific methods to get us down a certain path, right? That where we end up with uh, a uh, internal combustion engine, and then there's these steps where we end up with uh, an EV. Um, and but the first principles were always there. It's not like we didn't know these first principles. Uh, it's almost like to rethink is to kind of, I don't want to say demolish, but to break apart those scientific principles that got us to, say, the you know, the gas engine. Um, yeah. And, but again, though, it's as if it the, it's almost like the logic becomes more fragile as we move forward, and it takes different types of thinking to break that that path um and and come back to original the original thinking which it's always been there um and then you know create the new logic the better logic perhaps no, um, i agree agreed yeah the the other i mean the other side of all this is is you're also held back by the inertia or not inertia but the torque of uh if you create something new, you're going to strand a lot of assets along the way. You know, if, if you build, if you build a Netflix that can deliver movies, any movie you want to your, to your television screen, you're going to wipe out Blockbuster. You're going, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that whole idea that you, you have an established routine of, you know, something that might be very cheap to make or use or do. I mean, everybody had cassette tapes and you could record and erase cassette tapes many times. But they weren't as convenient as, say, CDs, which even though you could record them once, the, the, the sound was a lot clearer. Or as we are now with MP3s, 
you don't have to have a physical medium with you to move things, you know, through the cloud. You can give people, you know, movies, uh, songs, uh, voice recordings, video recordings through the Internet through without having to worry about the physicality of it. But th that took a big step to say, why, you know, why do we have to keep why, why should we, you know, you think of a Sony or you think of a Toshiba or a Philips Corporation why do we need cassettes? Why do we need uh, CDs? Yeah, why, yeah. You know, why do we need the physical medium anymore? Well, because it's already in place and we have them everywhere. So, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, very true. And I think fresh thinking, right? Like, like how to develop or how to think differently. We have a lot of assumptions about what is the normal today, right? We we have all these assumptions. They've been built on other experiences and the like from the past, of course, but to shed that for a little bit, to back away from that for a little bit and, and to go back to a f fresh way of thinking, it's almost like when you're trying to change something that's wrong in your life or that just isn't coming out the way you want to see it come out, I think it's a, a good thing to do to step back and have a fresh or different look at at how you see things and why you see them this way. And are they built upon some assumptions that may have been valid 20 years ago, but are how, or 10 years ago, how valid are they to your life today? It, it might be a good exercise for us to consistently and constantly do that for ourselves. I think the future may demand that. Uh, we, you know, without getting too far down, um, uh, the idea of being, being able to adapt to a very moving and faster changing future, I think it's going to demand that we kind of shed the old faster and yeah. think and be more nimble about the skill sets and the things that we're aware of. So maybe having a better sense of one, the process that gets us to where we need to be, but also the foundation with which we develop the process and continually ask ourselves these questions um, these fundamental questions, um, you know, what what we've mentioned in, in prior, these first principle questions about how to look at things differently from first principles. I think yeah. that's going to become more of our, uh, I hope, because I think it'll be very helpful, more of our uh, way of approaching um, both science and life in general. Yeah, change, changing that, the, changing the first question uh, that we ask about things is not how do we do it, but what is it that we want to get done? It is it, it's such a it sounds very simple, but it's such a, an enormous. I don't want to use the '80s term, but I'm going to the it, having to constantly rely on the paradigm shift of being able to change a paradigm, something that you've lived with that you you see you see as the only solution because it's the most trusted and most common and most expected solution or convenient. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes we tend to get too comfortable, um, and that may be a challenge of today. We've gotten so comfortable that uh, things that uh, can affect us out of the wild, as we see right now in the present pandemic, um, not to say that we would have known, but maybe history would have taught us that if we look back over the millennium, we've seen these waves. And then, and, and maybe there was messages about this uh, potential uh, to affect us. And maybe we 
we're, we've been lucky for, for a long period of time. Uh, but it's not so much being lucky for a long period of time. Again, if we look at the history of pandemics, again, using the present situation, we can see that these pandemics have affected us uh, almost in these waves. It's fascinating that life is, is, is a wave in many ways. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that we still have to learn the same lessons that we over were taught over, a, yes. a century ago. <laughs> you know, but that's the you know the details of human nature that we, we that's the way we look at the world. I'm, re- I'm reminded uh, this was 1971. This was being filmed in 1970 during the you know the lunar landing program. One of the one of the key paradigm shifts in landing on the moon uh, when they were first designing the lunar module, they had a big problem with weight because they couldn't figure out how to make the windows big enough for the pilots to see it, see the lunar surface coming up at them while they were sitting in their, in their chairs looking out of the lunar module. And it took uh, a couple of uh, engineers at Grumman to say, well, we don't need big windows because we don't need seats. Everybody can, you know, landing on the moon, you don't have to be sitting in a chair. Your, your legs are great shock absorbers, natural shock absorbers. And you don't need a chair to sit in. So what they wound up doing was they got rid of the chairs, had the astronauts stand and just tie themselves with a, you know, basically a bungee cord to the floor and uh, and land on their feet with uh, small triangular windows that saved a lot of weight and a lot of space on a, on a lunar module. Made, made that all possible just because somebody said, you don't have to sit down to land on the moon. Um, Jim, that's a nice little morsel that I had no idea about. That is really a neat little morsel to know how they basically were standing when they landed on the moon. I did not know this. There you go. It's uh, just just something. Some you know, if you can apply, if you can apply that somewhere in your own life. I don't know how often it comes up, but if you know, you just realize there's a lot of things in your life you don't need that you hang on to. I mean, I, I know that in. Gosh, decluttering my garage. I have things that I I knew I would never use again, but it took me forever to just to throw them out or put them, you know. Put yes, them Jim, in you got to get rid of that Osborne computer, or maybe not. <laughs> no, it's maybe, mine. Maybe it's it, yes. it can come back someday. It'll it'll come back. Yeah. Uh wow. Well, David, thank thank you for <laughs> thank you for being of an age that I can share share these reminiscences with you. Oh no. Um, but it's uh yeah it it it's been uh it's been a lot of fun having you on the show this week and 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 really thank you for I know this is your first venture into a movie podcasting, so uh, I hope oh, hope it was easy for you. Oh, it's um, a lot of fun, Jim. I and, really enjoyed the back and forth and and going through something like this. It was right. it was a lot of fun. I must I must have you back on. But when when people want to have conversations with you, not about this kind of stuff, but well, kind of about this kind of stuff because you do talk a lot about the future. Um, I know you're you're doing financial investment and. Uh, uh, helping people plan their futures and, and changing their own paradigms. Uh, where can they get a hold of you to, to do that kind of stuff? Well, they can always reach us at enrichfinancialgroup.com um, and or uh, we can always use the uh, a first principle method and uh, just give me a call at 972-465-0100. Again, 972-465-0100. And we can help you with all your investing, estate, planning needs and the like. And plus, you'll hear a lot from me about where we're heading and how uh, the innovative world is is really uh, a fascinating thing that we can all participate in, uh, both in our lives and financially. Especially if you bought Tesla stock, I can tell you. Yes, very <laughs> Holy much. Holy it, yes, it's, it's not only it's not only optimistic, but it's also lucrative. So, um, again, David, thank you again so much for being on the show. We will have you back sometime, I'm sure. 
yes, so, please. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, in the in the meantime, uh, everybody, please stay healthy this weekend. The best way to stay healthy is to follow those three basic rules: wear a mask, uh, wash your hands, and please stay six feet apart because it's really hard to sneeze on somebody from six feet away, especially if you've got a mask on. Um, but anyway, stay healthy. Uh, we will see you here next week as we start a new week of trying to kill mice on <laughs> on, on the Andromeda Minute. See you. Enjoy it, Jim. Thanks. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.